Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding Reality, a decoding TV podcast covering the latest and greatest in reality television. I'm Justin Jordan. And I'm Deja Woolery. On today's episode of Decoding Reality, we will be discussing episodes five through nine of Netflix's The Ultimatum. You can find more episodes of this podcast at decodingreality.tv and please email us with your questions, comments, and concerns at decodingtv at gmail.com. And we have a TikTok and you can find us on TikTok at tiktok.com slash at decodingreality. On today's episode, we are going to do a full spoiler review of each episode. We're going to go we're going to cover each of the episodes kind of generally, five, six, seven, eight, and uh, Deja, let's get into it. I am, I have so much to say. First of it is thank you for blowing up this podcast. The reception to this podcast has been outstanding, unreal. People have been finding this podcast and we are overwhelmed with the amount of love. So thank you so much for being there. Deja, what do you think about the reception to the first episode? Because I'm a little overwhelmed. Um, listen, I'm just happy. You know, we've been talking about <laughs> reality TV in one way or another, on one pod or another for a while and delving into the details. And I've been saying over and over again, if only it were queer, if only. Um, so getting this opportunity to talk about that with you, who's just every conversation we have is so much fun. And then to have people joining in, we're living the dream. Holy moly. Like so many comments. I do, I do want to, um, I guess I do, I do want to do a point of order, a point of order before we start this episode, because a lot of my comments, you know, we like to, you know, uh, you know, talk about these people. They're real humans at the end of the day. They're not characters on a television show. So what surprised me the most about the reception to this podcast and the reception to the show was specifically when it comes to people like Vanessa and Aussie, 
there's a lot of armchair diagnosis and a lot of armchair sexuality guessing that I am afraid of. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the comments, I made a video that, about Vanessa and Xander that made the rounds. And half of the comments are like, Vanessa's not even queer. And I was like, ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if I want to delve into that. I made a video about Ozzy that went around. A lot of the people calling Ozzy autistic. If they are, that's great for them. We don't know that. <laughs> we don't know that. And the last thing I want to do is do armchair doctor for real humans. You know what I mean, Deja? Is is I'm 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 afraid, is what I'm saying, you know? And I think there's something really interesting about that being directed at Aussie specifically. Because there are at least two people in this that just from the ways that they're communicating, I'm like, as an autistic person, I'm like, y'all, you gotta be autistic. But it feels like Aussie's getting singled out because they are being shown in a very negative light. And it's like, you're you're, you're showing your hand a little bit. Because to me, the way that... And again, this is where it's like, you can't really diagnose. You can recognize traits of similarity, but that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. The way that Lexi is really dedicated to the form and function of this show and expecting that, communicating really directly, even when it's brash, those are autistic traits, but they're positive and we really like Lexi. So you wouldn't hear that same comparison as you would with Aussie. And I feel like people are really showing their hands when they kind of want to do that thing of like, well, they're not in our community with Vanessa. They're not, they're not even one of us. Sometimes queer people are also bad. It's okay. They're showing a lot of their hand right now. Exactly. Showing a lot of their hands. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this after last week's batch of episodes. And this is kind of spoilers for the rest of this pod. Is Vanessa that bad? Because I feel as though there's some, I feel as though there's some reexamination about what's going on with Vanessa. Is Vanessa truly the wicked witch of the East, West, North, whatever? Is she that bad, or is she just effective? Is Vanessa doing anything different than any other contestant at this point? Because she's not the only person that has slept with another person. She's definitely not the person, not the only person who has changed their mind about marriage. So is Vanessa that bad? Maybe annoying. Yeah, every now and then annoying. But is Vanessa truly as heinous as everyone is pointing her out to be? Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on team Vanessa. I'm not on the fan club. I'm saying it seems a little excessive, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean, Deja? I think a lot of people have dated a Vanessa. And I think part of where the they're not even queer comes from, that is something that I've heard from even friends who are watching the show. It's because so many people have dated a Vanessa who wasn't queer in the end, who treated you like a long-term experiment and moved on. But guys, we don't know her. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know her Vanessa in real life at all. It, it just it's going a step too far, especially when it comes to like you said, the diagnosis or the labeling and identifying. Because it made me think of this. Because there's a point in the episode where I fully agree with Vanessa, 
fully agree. And everyone's just like, team fuck Vanessa. <laughs> I guess you reap what you sow, I guess, at the end of the day. But I was like, Jesus. If if somebody had listened to Vanessa in, in a moment in the episode, we a lot of stuff wouldn't have happened. <laughs> a lot of stuff wouldn't have happened. And mainly... Maybe maybe I'm reevaluating myself because like maybe I was a little harsh, you know. And I and I don't want to disqualify anyone from like redemption, you know. And Vanessa has not reached the point of redemption, in my opinion. She's not a supervillain. And I okay, here's a hot take. Before we start the episode, I think there are a lot of people worse than Vanessa on this show. A lot of people that are way worse than Vanessa, and a lot more red flags than Vanessa. I said it. I said it. <laughs> you know, we're gonna have to get into this. You know what? <laughs> okay, let's just get into it and let's start off with the first new episode that released, episode five, and that is, I believe, it's right after, I guess, um, the uh, what's it called the the group date that they had with each other where Vanessa was getting attacked from all sides. Everyone was team fuck Vanessa and they had two separate group dates. Episode five picks up immediately after that. And it's a debrief with all of the trial couples. And we start off with Yoli and Xander and Yoli tells what Xander, uh, Yoli tells Vanessa what Xander said. And step one, this seems very, very loaded because every time someone else is like, do you really want to know? Do you really want to know what they said about you? Of course you want to know even more, right? And Yoli says what Vanessa said about the whole, like, maybe I'm not attracted to this person, yada, yada, this, that, and the other. And Xander doesn't seem too upset, in my opinion, <laughs> I mean, Xander has a giant lipstick stain on their neck, but we'll talk about that later. Um, Xander seems way more calm than I thought they would be. And that leads me to believe, like, maybe this is par for the course for their relationship. And they end the conversation and go to bed together. And I have a feeling that we're going to have a lot to say about Xander and Yoli in this episode. Deja, what do you think about this trial couple in its current state? I personally love them. Yoli and Xander, they're running away with my heart. Because I feel like what's happening is that Xander was in a relationship where they are not used to being put first. And Mal even said it. When Yoli gives her attention to something... That is where her attention is, period. And then you have Matt, or sorry. And then you have Yoli, who is in a relationship where she just wasn't feeling as much romance and she wasn't feeling supported. And then you have somebody who wants to support them. And I don't know if that means their relationship will last. I mean, sure, people can meet in the weirdest circumstances, including a Netflix dating show. But I do think that it means if somebody shows you in three weeks what you were missing for multiple years with somebody else, I don't know how you would turn back. I don't know how you would go forward without questioning what was it that allowed them to show up like that the first time I asked and you didn't the hundredth time. Even if they don't end up together, Here's go for thing. someone who says yes the first time. Here's the thing. 
I, I, I'm calling bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. Because I'm calling bullshit on this whole thing. Because number one, number one, the trial situation is designed to give you all of the easy parts of the relationship and none of the hard parts. Of course, Xander and the rest of the trial situations are going to have an easier time in three weeks where you don't have to worry about rent. You, They probably pay for a lot of foods or at least feed you to some degree, you know what I mean? Where dates are planned ahead of time and things like that. Three weeks of a trial relationship is going to be so much easier than the real life of the other relationship, you know what I mean? And that is all to say that I feel as though Yoli's grading on a curve a little bit. You know, Xander in this current state doesn't have anything to prove besides just being, like, better than Mal. And Mal has to overcome, like, years of, like, little fights, resentments, all this stuff, you know? Am I I being weird or is it, like, uneven in all of these situations? You know what I mean? I think the whole premise of the show is unfair. But I think that Yoli and Xander are the only case where it seems very clear that they found out what it is like to do even the easy days with somebody who's in for the same thing. And I feel like even though it is an easier version of relationships, it sounds like an easy day with Xander is better than an easy day with Mal. Because of having that support, that romance, knowing that it won't be one ply toilet paper, which we'll get into later. (laughs) And again, it's just, if it took years of somebody rejecting you, expressing your needs, maybe don't go, don't go with Xander, but leave single probably at the very least. Leave single? Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat up on Yoli, but I have so many questions for Yoli that I hope one day are answered, but we'll, we won't get into that. Um, let's move on to the other couple, Vanessa and Ray. And Vanessa comes home to Ray, and Vanessa gives them the lowdown about, I guess, I would like to call it the babification of Ray. And this is where my kind of, like, uh, antennas went up, um, about, like, the, is Vanessa that bad? Because people are like, you took advantage of Ray, you did all this, and... Ray reiterates that it was consensual. She wanted to do it. There were two equal parts of that, right? And also, Vanessa conveniently misses the part about being attracted to Ray and actually seeing a future with Ray, but that's, eh, that's, eh, you don't have to worry about that. But they were like, oh, helpless Ray. And I'm just like, is Vanessa that bad or is everyone mad because it's Vanessa? You know what I mean? I feel like I really, really appreciated this. And I do not have many scenes with Vanessa where I want to say that. But the way that they acted in the previous batch of episodes, as though because it was sex without commitment, it was somehow manipulation, was just plain, just blatantly wrong. Giving Ray and Vanessa the chance to have this conversation and to hear from Ray's own mouth, I chose to do this, this was fun, it was consensual, I think is 
crucially important because the last thing would be for this show to leave implications about who Vanessa is and what she's done that are untrue. But it shouldn't have been the conversation it was in the first place. You can ask Vanessa, like, be for real, what are you doing if you don't if you don't see anything with Ray, but you clearly want to be flirty and you want to enjoy this? Shouldn't you be thinking more about your years-long partner? Grill Vanessa all you want. I won't stop you. But we should just acknowledge that you can consent and not be head over heels for someone. It's just, exactly. it was doing too much. I think this was an important scene. Especially, especially in a show like this. Because, like I said before, Vanessa's not the only one that sleeps with their child partner. Vanessa is certainly not the only person in this experiment that is, I would say, going through the motions. And, like, not going through the motions, but, like, does not intend to end up with their trial partner. Vanessa is clearly not the only one. And I would say Mal had really had no intentions of ending up with Lexi. But I don't know if that's a Netflix editing thing. We don't know. I would say Tiff and Sam, they had no intention of ending, leaving there together. Same with Mildred and Ozzy, but we'll get into that later. I don't think any of them had the... You know, and why are we beating up Vanessa as if this is a specific crime, you know? But speaking of crimes, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back after that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are back with Decoding Reality, and we are covering the latest and greatest in reality television. Right now, we are on episode five, and now we are going to talk about one of the trial couples, Lexi and Mal. And this was this is another moment where my attendance went off because Lexi is going off about Vanessa. Like you, the way Lexi talks about Vanessa, you would think Vanessa committed war crimes. <laughs> and Lexi is mainly worried that she herself pushed Ray into Vanessa's arms. You know, and I, I would agree with that assessment. I would say, especially like when they, when Lexi and Ray get back together, there's something about this relationship that's rubbing me the wrong way. Did you get your antennas up too for this one, Deja? Absolutely. I think that's where I feel like it's hard to tell how much Mal really intended with Lexi because let's not forget that when they were at the table and ready to choose, Mal was like, 
Mal and Lexi both were really going in about how excited they were to choose each other, that they had discussed what their kids would look like, and that they could see a true, genuine future, like, I could see you being my wife. Um, so they went from that, but things shifted after that group date, because then Lexi would not stop talking about Vanessa. And I think that, to me, Vanessa, she's the villain of the season. It won't really change. Is but she, Lexi, is Vanessa the villain of this season? I think we'll talk about it more in the later episodes, but I find her, from what we've seen, to be very manipulative. And I think that f- part of it for Lexi, when she keeps saying, very, when Lexi keeps saying, like, I have to understand why Ray did this, I think it's honestly guilt of, like, your why. You issued the ultimatum. You brought them here. Like, you... You might feel like they were manipulated, but even then you put them in that position. And I think that the whole argument in the previous episodes was an attempt to take all the blame off Ray, but still keep it away from Lexi. And that meant overdoing it on Vanessa. It's not necessary. And I think that really was what made Mal no longer interested. Though I feel like Lexi's parents' comments were kind of surprising. What did you think about that whole conversation? With with Lexi's parents? Yeah, I mean, they didn't seem to be that shocked by the whole premise of it, but they also weren't really yes. rooting for Ray, necessarily. I think... I'm not going to play armchair doctor, and I'm not going to play uh, not validating people's queerness. I'm not going to do that. But... As soon as I met, or as soon as we saw Lexi's dad, a lot of things clicked into place. <laughs> a lot of things clicked into place. And I th- it, I'm under the impression that although in the previous episode we talked about providers and providees, re- receivers and receivees, or you know what I mean, people who like give and take. I think Lexi is dedicated to the giving role, you know, dedicated to it. And I feel as though her parents are also dedicated to the giver role, especially with the professions that they chose. Like her dad gives people these like very specific diamond rings, you know what I mean? And he's like, maybe it does work out. We don't know the algorithms behind it. Maybe it doesn't. And all that is to say, I don't think Ray is a receiver in that way. I don't know if this makes any sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because all, I see a lot of Lexi's conversations being like, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did this for Ray. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I made a, a we, you know what I mean? Why aren't they ready for marriage for the next step? And... When Ray is with Vanessa, those are people who give and take in that trial period. You know, they're giving and taking in a relationship. You know what I mean? Like, their conversations are funnier. Their conversations are looser. And not that they're the perfect couple for each other. But it just seems that, like, it's like almost pouring. It's like it's like a battery, a car battery on the wrong end. If that makes any sense. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not grounded anywhere, you know? And I don't think they're right for each other. 
I'm team breakup from Lexi and Ray, you know? And the quickest way to break up a relationship is to try and fix it too hard. And that's exactly what Lexi is doing. What do you think, Deja? <laughs> I fully agree. Also, that was a bar. The quickest way to break up a relationship is to try and fix it too hard. That's a bar. And I feel like one of the things that was interesting that actually to me makes Vanessa and Ray a good pairing for the trial marriage was that Vanessa said, I've never had to think about what I offer in a relationship. And then you have Ray who later in this batch of episodes kind of echoes a similar thing as they're all kind of talking about what they learned was like, I have to offer things. I cannot just be the receiver. And I think that that has been a barrier for both of them in wanting to enter marriage because with that commitment, I'm sure they then feel more pressure of, well, what do I offer? What do I give? How do I give it? What will it mean for me? Um, but for Mal, for Mal, this was just annoying. For Mal, stop talking about your ex, please. I'm begging. And I do feel bad for Mal in that case quite a bit because they didn't get to finish their experience with it being about what they were, the person they were sitting across. I... I have a theory. I have a theory. I think that Lexi 100% would have done the exact same thing Ray did if Mal wasn't so committed to Yoli. One billion percent. Lexi would have done the exact same thing. Because at some point, Lexi... See, I think... Really? What do you think? I think, if anything, Lexi was the one who was less interested in doing anything sexual. And Mal was probably really? more than one to be like, I respect that. Because Lexi's so hard on the li- on that line, so intensely hard on that line, that it's hard to imagine the opposite. And Mal did say, I found someone who agreed with those morals with me. So I think that from the beginning, they had this conversation. But yeah, I'm flipping it. What makes you think uh, Mal was more the... The hard line. Well, because because Lexi says I love you. <laughs> and like so it's, like there's a point I think like I think Lexi is like sitting in a chair in a white shirt and they're like about to go to bed, you know. And Lexi's like, I just love you, you know. And like I want to see, I I don't see a future or my life without you in it. If that's not a green flag, I'm not saying they have to smooch or anything, but if that's not a green flag. For this relationship, I don't know what it is. Justin, you know, it's and I'm blaming it on gay now, people being affectionate. It's it's a different type of affection. I give you that, but to say I love you to your trial person, and I don't see a life or a future without you in it. The conversation they had about soulmates. <laughs> like, come on. I've had almost the exact same conversation they had about soulmates. On multiple different dates, including like first ones, you know, some people are a little cuckoo bananas. Okay, okay, is this is this a queer community thing that I'm just like missing? I think people, if this is a if this is a common thing, because I got a I got a couple messages about like um, how queer people flirt in relationships and things like that. So I'm like, do y'all just like are y'all just saying I love you on the first and second date? I would bet heavily, at least, 
that people in queer relationships across the board are saying I love you sooner. Because Justin, give me a little straight insight. Don't straight people usually wait like a number of months before and I love yes, you? Yes. Uh, I mean, how many months? I don't wanna, uh, what, Justin, what, what would be your target in there? I I I would not say I love you to a per back when I was on the streets, if you will. Um, <laughs> um I would not I would not say I love you before three months. I would say yes. the majority three of queer relationships right limit. now. The majority of queer relationships right now are definitely under that three month range. Probably within the first month. I think Really? Oh, 150% within the first month for most uh, okay. queer okay. couples, I would guess. But I think that part of it is... Actually, I said something in the last episode that I did want to address in this one, which is I made jokes about U-Hauling. But that's something I've been thinking about more and more and getting less comfortable with the concept of. Because the whole idea of U-Hauling, of queer relationships, and specifically sapphic ones moving really fast, started as a joke. It literally came from like a comedian saying it, but it became this kind of de facto truism. And I think sometimes it can be employed in a way where if a straight couple moves a little faster, if you know, you know, that's the takeaway. But if a queer couple moves a little faster, they're U-hauling and it takes away any idea of agency. And I think the fact that it's largely a attached specifically to women loving women relationships this assumption that if there's two women who's going to be rational um it's a joke and it's cute and in community it can be funny but i've realized more and more that like the the value of that joke is being lost and instead it should be more conversations about when you are in a group of people where more than the average doesn't have close relationships to their blood family, has lost family and friends just because of aspects of who they are, those bonds you create and those found family bonds, they might be able to move a little faster because you're going off of that shared experience, but you're also seeing safety and vulnerability with that person. But that conversation gets lost if we just blanket it with you hauling. And I found out a study showed queer couples and straight couples move in together like the same time. There's no real you hauling. It's just a perception. There's no real you. I yeah. do I do have a question. And this goes out to the listener and to Deja as well. From a straight person. Because queer relationships are already against societal standards, is there a need in queer relationships to break more, not a need, but like an expectation or like a more willingness to break other societal norms? I think that queerness in general creates more of a willingness. And like, this is going into a little Deja tinfoil hat moment, but when you look at like people <laughs> who have made sweeping changes, you look at Angela Davis, a lesbian, Malcolm X, bisexual, um, Claude McKay, Harlem Renaissance was a whole, they were all kissing. Like you look at all these people, James Baldwin, these huge thinkers, they tend to be queer. And I think that when you are sitting at the seat of so many marginalities, 
and intersectionalities, queerness tends to be the one that just pushes you over the edge. That Like there's nothing left about you that's not transgressive. And so it gives you a little bit more willingness to consider, well, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want to or because there's a system that says I should? And especially when you have those intersectionalities. Like I, the other day at work, I was thinking, wow, it must be really hard to be like black, trans and disabled all at once. And then I remembered I'm black, trans and disabled. I didn't even <laughs> remember that as I was thinking about it. Like, <laughs> but what, like, there's not an aspect of me that's accepted by society at large. So why should I not question prison systems in the case of Angela Davis? Why should I not question churches in the cases of James Baldwin? And in the smallest cases, why should I not question the pace of my relationship? Because it's already not what they expect of me, you know? Because it made me think of the like the whole quickness of queer relationships was brought up in this episode, and it made me think about that certain aspect of it is because like I think all reality dating shows have a sprinkle of polyamory, and this is like I guess the most sprinkles of polyamory I've seen in a reality show yet, and what made me think of this specifically when it comes to the whole Ray, Vanessa, and Lexi situation. Because Lexi is acting like Ray cheated. And in my opinion, Ray didn't... Ray did not do anything questionably, like, you know, horrible. And also, it's, it's interesting that this queer reality dating show is also really holding on to like the institution and like the expectations of marriage too when we're already doing so many transgressive things in this show re- like already when Lexi's like I don't know if I could marry someone who did this to me and like I've heard that on The Bachelor so many times you know like I don't think Ray deserves the hate from Lexi like this it's just way too much you know and is it cheating if you sleep with your trial partner? It's the fantasy suite situation all over again. I don't think it's cheating. Do you think it's cheating, Deja? And Lexi's 24. I don't think it's cheating because as Lexi even says, oh, wait, no, maybe I'm changing my mind. Because I don't think it's cheating, but I do think it is a cross line. Because Ray it- decided... Only because Ray decided to promise Lexi that nothing was going to happen. Ray could have said nothing. Okay. They could have continued to go with, there are no rules, there are no lines. But by promising that, like, you didn't have to say that. But once you did, you should have stuck to it. I think it's a cross line, but I still do not think it's cheating. And I don't think it needs to be... (laughs) Zach shall cross a lot of lines, um, as we discovered in the last season of The Bachelor. Uh, but I, I can happens, see a little reaction. Shall cross. <laughs> that oh, needs to be a word now. Uh, yeah, it's an overreaction to yeah a transgression, not that big of one. Yes, I've, I would be upset too, but that's the game we agreed to. We have talked way too much about this. Let's move on with. With maybe public enemy number one on the internet right now. And that is 
Aussie because Aussie comes home to debrief with Mildred about their group date. And Mildred is trying to get insight on how Aussie operates as a person. And Mildred asked Aussie's original partner, Sam, like, is this normal? Like, what do you usually do? And Sam said, like, you kind of let, let Aussie come to the situation on their own terms or else they're out. And Mildred said that herself, she could have acted differently about the accusation of trying to make Aussie look bad. And then Aussie, like every other, like person who just got off of work, like, Oh, you're going to bother me with all this problems, nagging me. Come on. Da, 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 da. Like Aussie mid conversation packs up, moves out. And I, I was floored. I had to pause my television. Like, did that, is the show over? Like, is Aussie gone? <laughs> Just gone. And this, this becomes a pattern the rest of this episode, because I'm, I'm tempted to say this is manipulative or something or other. But then the next morning, Aussie comes back and then moves out completely, packs the bags Ends the experiment with uh, Mildred and Ozzy. Just ends it. Ozzy leaves a goodbye note and everything. Like, Ozzy is acting like they're about to change their identity, going to witness protection, you know? And Mildred's not that bad. I promise you Mildred's not that bad. And it's it's like Ozzy left for cigarettes and never came back. <laughs> Mildred gets home, reads a note. Aw. Okay, you could have at least taken the trash out. And let's get into the Aussie of it, because this is where a lot of the TikTok comments came from. Did you get these comments too, Deja? I definitely saw them over on the Decoding Reality page. And Aussie's behavior, especially at Aussie's big age, not okay. But is it very, very obviously coming from trauma that we as an audience do not know the depths of? Yes. And something we talked a little bit about uh, before in the last episode, and that comes up here as well, was that Netflix didn't put pronoun cards anywhere. And now, just from the way they were both speaking, we both clearly recognize that Aussie doesn't use gendered pronouns. They just are... Sorry, Aussie is just referred to by the name Aussie. Which also means Aussie's sitting here being constantly misgendered by almost everyone around. And you add that, you add trauma being activated, you add the weirdness of the situation. Yeah, that can activate a lot of avoidant behavior. Is it okay? No. But I don't feel comfortable with the level of vitriol they get online. Because they're kind of being laid bare for the public in what's clearly a very difficult time. What do you think? It's, it's, it's very difficult to come at this ethically because I, I 100% do not want to armchair diagnose people. I keep saying that, but Aussie, Aussie, Aussie's behavior in this episode needs to be examined by a professional <laughs> in like a not funny way. <laughs> it's because 
if this is the norm, if this is the norm for Aussie, Sam, I don't know how you managed. I don't know how you managed. Because I'm trying to come at this like, is Aussie a bad person that runs away? Or does Aussie need legitimate, like, for real help? And this reality show was just not the show for them. You know, just absolutely not. Because even if, even if Mildred was the the spicy Latina dragon that everyone is painting out her out to be, which is totally not okay. Aussie later in the episode says that she has a child with special needs who has like, who has, who needs attention. So it's also weird to like put Mildred in this position of like, Mildred has to be nicer. Mildred, Mildred should have done X, Y, Z and the other when Mildred calmly sat at the table, said, hey, I have a problem with this. And instead of addressing the issue, Ozzy runs away. And I, and part of me wants to say, is it manipulative that Ozzy is trying to only have this conversation on their terms, when they're calm, when they're, like, in a better position? But is, is it manipulative or does Ozzy need help? I, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to see it as manipulation because when Aussie left, there were no expectations set on uh, Mildred from my perspective to do anything, to react in any certain way. It was just a genuine desire to leave, to get as far away from that conversation and confrontation as possible. For me, it would have been uh, manipulation if Aussie said, well, we can talk about it now only because I feel like it. I just don't think Aussie is really capable of confronting things. And I think later in this batch of episodes, we do start to understand a little bit more of Aussie's background in that. But again, there's ultimately responsibility for Aussie's actions that need to be taken. Do we... It's... I want I do and I don't want to put the blame on Aussie because a lot of comments were saying a lot of comments were about Aussie's age how I think Aussie when the show's filming was 42 and how is Aussie still how is Aussie still acting like this if this is an actual problem why has Aussie not sought help or like professional whatever to like I guess, um, help this behavior, not help this behavior, but like, I don't want to say fix it, but like, uh, sought professional help, you know? Um, and I just, I don't know. And we get a little bit more insight in the rest of this episode, but we're going to keep going. Sam and Tiff, they seem like they're finally getting along. They have, uh, they, they gave themselves a little like couple name, Stiff. Love it. Sam. I think you should end the show single because I think you're a really nice person. You deserve better, <laughs> you know? Um, but mainly the episode does continue. Lexi is looking for a hell yes in their relationship. Mal meets Lexi's parents. They seem really nice. Michael and Allison. Michael barely says a word this entire interaction. It's just stone face. I'm not sure if that's Netflix editing, you know, to full hat to make Lexi's dad look like this tough, silent type, you know? And 
right now is a note that I made. Miles says that they are ready for marriage. Interesting. What changed your mind, Mal? What changed your mind? Because during this entire time, Lexi's going off about Vanessa again, about how, like, Vanessa's an actress and stuff like that. And Mal says they aren't going anywhere. I'm here for the right reasons. I'm not like Vanessa, et cetera, et cetera. And this whole time, this whole time, there are so many shots of Lexi's dad just, hmm, hmm, hmm. Just facial expressions, no words, and the one the one line that he does get in is a straight bar because he says, Michael, Lexi's dad, says that there is no rhyme or reason to engagements. And sometimes the least likely couples actually do make it. So thank you for those wise words, Lexi's dad. But I want to point the camera at Mal really quickly because I'm wondering what changed their mind. You know, was it Lexi? Is Lexi that cool? Or did Mal change their mind to be better for Yoli, if that makes any sense? What did you think, Deja? I think this is one of those moments where we have to, like, think back to the first batch of episodes because Mal said it pretty clearly in the beginning you didn't just change my timeline. You blew my timeline up to Lexi. Mm. Speaking to Lexi, okay. talking about the future, discussing all of that, made Mal say within the first week of the trial marriage, I could see myself leaving here engaged to you. I think this batch was really focused on the original couples that came in to such an extent that really with the exception of Yoli and Xander... They almost acted like nobody cared before. But a few of them did go in very intentional. And the main ones going in with the biggest and boldest statements were Mal and Lexi. It just got lost in this episode. So I think when Mal said that, um, I have my judgments of Mal, but she does not seem like anything but a... I have my judgments of Mal, but I really doubt that Mal would stand in front of parents and be like, I'm here to stay with absolutely no feelings or intentions of it. I have trouble True. believing that level of boldness. Uh, I think Mal meant it. How realistic it was, uh, you know, but I think they meant it. Asia, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Mal. Mal, best dressed. Best dressed in this whole show, in my opinion. But I guess that's like because I don't know, like that's the that's the only fashion I could replicate barely. But that's beside the point. I think I think Lexi through whatever magic Lexi had, Mal's there for the right reason. And maybe it's because I relate a little bit to Mal because I've also said like we gotta wait for money. We have to wait for X Y Z thing in my life to happen before I consider marriage, and. Thankfully, this process has changed their mind for the better. It might be too late, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> Ray meets Vanessa's dad, Mark. Mark looks great for whatever age he's in. He looks he looks great. He's a business deal or whatever. Um, and he says that marriage started off as a business transaction, so don't get too heated up about it. Cool, Vanessa's dad, Mark. That's fine. But I also want to point the camera at Yoli and Xander. Because 
I do have a question because there was a comment about queer people don't show clavicles. And I was like, really? Is that a thing? But Xander, in this interaction, says, I love you to Yo Lee. And Yo Lee says it back. Yo Lee, I have so many questions. Because it, it, it caught me off guard. I knew they were digging each other, but I love you. I love you. Did it catch you off guard, Deja? Because I was floored. Floored. Well, what had happened was <laughs> I've been watching this with my partner. And in some ways, we each feel like we, when we met each other, we had come out of repeated relationships that didn't give us what we actually needed. And we keep asking ourselves as we watch this, like, if we had spent three weeks locked together meeting somebody that we actually were compatible with and happened to be meeting those needs, yeah, that's it's a strange situation. But, like, it's strange enough that you would say I love you. Um, I, Yeah, it's hard to judge that one because they were having such intense conversations and such intentional conversations that for me, I'm thinking about the sheer number of hours now. People can go on like 10 dates and they're each like three hours and they're ready to start dating and being together and saying, I love you. 10 dates over a couple months, that's not that hard to guess. They've just spent three weeks 24 seven together. I ain't mad is at this, it partially because I think they're cute. Mentality? Like, yes, that's the perfect analogy. It's summer it's camp. Like when you go off to summer camp, where you like you're uh, you're out of your normal societal role. You know, you have a new role, and you are condensed with this person for so many hours, so many days. Relationships tend to form way quicker than they would in the, I guess, the place that you came from. You know, and Bachelor, it happens in The Bachelor all the time. Um, but I do think maybe maybe Xander's that cool. Maybe Xander's that amazing. Maybe, maybe. And maybe I'm just not seeing it because my spidey senses started tingling when it came to Xander in this batch of episodes. I don't know. I don't think you're alone in that. I think a lot of people felt differently about Xander after this batch. I'm just not those people. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. Here's the the real thing. America, if you're going to be mad at Vanessa, you got to be mad at Xander for the exact same reasons. I said it, America. You're going to have to argue that one for me. Okay, okay, all right, fine, fine. You know what? This is, we're spoiling bits of the episode ahead of time, but let's do it. Let's get into it. Because Xander says, I love you to Yo Lee. Okay, hmm, interesting. Okay. Then, then when they go back to their, um, the changeover part where they're, you know, no defense for your real partner, Vanessa. Hardly any defense, you know. And then when Vanessa, calmly i know everyone's team fuck vanessa but just ask why this happened or how this happened everyone's team fuck vanessa like well you don't understand this you did i'm like jesus christ okay and not helping your partner out cool that's fine number two number three number three xander 
was caught messaging Yoli during the when Xander was supposed to be with Vanessa. So if you really want this to work out, when you How gave the caught, ultimatum, though? Xander, send in pics, send in pictures. Now how'd they get caught? Send, send the cut. That's beside the point. That's beside the point. Ah. <laughs> Xander was sending pics. Pics of what? Pics of what? Xander, are you the type of person that's like, LOL, I just had a bowl of cereal for breakfast. Was that the pics? Or was it something else, Xander? Hmm? Was it something else? Hmm? Hmm? And then, and then, and then, Xander, at the group party, had the nerve, had the nerve, the nerve to step to Matt. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I just hope Yoli chooses herself. Da, 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 da. And then to pull Yoli aside, do a little toe touch, and be like, hey, give it, give Yoli the eyes, like the, did like, it was like a whole Morse code thing with her eyes, like, hey, I'm picking you. I love you. This is, you know, in front of your partner, Vanessa, and in front of Mal, Xander ain't shit. <laughs> Xander's great. Xander. So, I think it's, it's interesting to hear, like, the same events, but the way I saw them, at the table, Xander was about to have to leave their little boot thing. They love Yoli. Okay, they said the big L word. And then you're confronted again with Vanessa, who, again, part of the reason no one likes Vanessa is because Vanessa made it clear that she didn't think Xander was going to find anyone or like anyone. So it wasn't any risk for her. She's just playing around and having fun while Xander is miserably waiting and hoping that Vanessa will be ready for marriage. And when Vanessa got more upset, was in realizing that Yoli and Xander had definitely been intimate because Vanessa thought beforehand that Xander would most definitely be asexual. You you were wrong. Sorry, you were wrong. Yoli's pretty. Things happened. And I'm not mad about it. Okay. Okay. I want to be clear. I'm I'm also on Team Yo best situation for Yo Lee. But Everyone I, seems to love Yo Lee for Yo sure. Yo Lee's the shit, man. But at the same time, side eye Xander, side eye bombastic side eye. Like, and at the same party that your partner and their parties at, and their partners at, for real, for real. Xander, Xander, really, really. I'm sorry, I need to calm down. <laughs> it was, it, it was just so blatant. Like I don't give a fuck. And Xander's like, oh no, it's I'm just, I'm just poor little Xander. Da, 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 da. I'm here for love. No, Xander, you're making moves, and I see it, and I see it. <laughs> you're making Xander's moves. making moves, but they all agree to this show. <laughs> I think as long as we're just kind of talking about sort of the arc of. Uh, Xander, Yoli, Vanessa, Mal as this terrible quatrain. Um, So the way that we all find out that Xander and Yoli have been messaging is when Vanessa looks through Xander's phone. I am really curious to hear how you felt about that scene because I had some thoughts. It is a common thing in all relationships for 
when someone is getting caught doing some fuck shit, that person who did it gets more angry. Well, you did XYZ to find out about it. Well, you looked through my phone. Well, you did this, that, and the other. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't have been doing some fuck shit. And it's it's a it's a crappy defense. It's a crappy defense that is deployed in relationships far and wide. How'd you catch me like cheating on my partner? Well, you shouldn't have been looking through my phone. Well, you shouldn't have followed me to their house. Well, you shouldn't. Da, 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 but you did it. You did it. We wouldn't be in this scenario if you didn't do it. Like like what if what if Vanessa just found that. Went through the phone and found nothing. What's what's? They would be wrong. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. For me, personally, I think that in this day and age, to me, phones are incredibly personal. If Mm -hmm. somebody were to open my notes app right now, I would be mortified. But I also Mm. think that I didn't like the way Vanessa justified it. I didn't like the justification of since you never lie to me and since we're all about honesty. So it almost is like, well, of course I can look through your phone because you're telling the truth anyways. And it's like, it it rolled off the tongue a little too easy. How many times have you justified crossing a boundary because it's like almost presenting this thing of since I know you would have been okay with that because you're honest. As though to say you shouldn't look there means you're not honest. Also, I will say this one other thing. Xander should have told Vanessa because Yoli Mm -hmm. told Mal Xander had every opportunity to be open about it. True. But Vanessa shouldn't have been looking through that phone. This is another piece of evidence. Is it is Vanessa a supervillain or is it just fuck Vanessa? Like if this was any if Lexi did this to Ray we wouldn't be as mad. You know, I would be. Uh, I think it, I'm anti looking through the phone. Period. Yes, I, I'm I against that action that so much that I don't have justification. Yes, I'm also on that team. But it, it, it I'm wondering that because, like, like I said before in the previous podcast, or not previous podcast, previously in this podcast, there's a touch of polyamory in every single dating reality show, and. Is it cheating? We don't know what the pictures were. We don't know. But. Selfie. I think we do know what the pictures were. You know what? I'm not going to. A selfie of what? You know? (laughs) You know, Vanessa said it was a selfie. That's all we know. I think Vanessa would have said more if it was more. True. Okay. All right. Yes. I will concede that. It's just. I don't know why I'm so heated. It's just, it seems as though it, it just, it's, it, it, if, what if Vanessa, we don't, Netflix editing, we don't know. What if Vanessa actually changed for the better? You know, what if, Vanessa may be annoying and like did all the checks boxes that Xander was looking for. Like I'm looking for marriage, da, 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 da. And, um, Xander's still messaging Yoli. 
even if they did have a great connection. You are sabot you are cutting the knees off of any relationship potential with Vanessa or with Vanessa because your attention is diverted elsewhere, you know? You like Vanessa didn't message you during the trial message or trial marriage, you know what I mean? And it's like, damn. Like you weren't messaging Vanessa at at, at all, Xander. I'm not saying Xander's a supervillain. I'm just saying that I think that there's a reason why those two are in a relationship. <laughs> All right, I'll say that. I hear okay. that. Let's and I yeah. I think part of why you're so heated is that this entire show doesn't feel like it's edited well. It feels like oftentimes mm. some of the arguments feel like they're missing context little discussions it feels like we jump into it a bit late things like you know meeting lexi's parents and it's like did he speak at all during this meeting did they cut out every word he said i don't think this is really edited in the best way for clarity's sake but people are creating assumptions as though they have 100 percent of the footage mm. i think that's why you're heated it's because you're fair <laughs> I'm fair. I'm fair. Oh my gosh. We are at an hour and we're only on episode five. David, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. We have so much to say. If you like this long episode, please, please, David, don't kill us. Don't kill us. If you like the long episodes, write us and let us know. (laughs) But we are going to go back into the episode. A bunch of friendship meetups happen. Lexi meets Alicia, Mal's friend. And... Alicia, great friend. I love when I see a good friend on reality television. Where it's not, they're just not telling you like, oh, just not shitting in the whole facade of it. But like also like giving you real advice. And the real thing that um, that Alicia said is that a lot of people confuse Mal's kindness for something else. And I was like, ooh, that I relate to that very much so. Lexi is 24 too weird but okay (laughs) because Lexi's acting like she's 80 right now (laughs) trying to get married so quick but it's um I think Alicia knows Mal really well to say this and I think Lexi kind of fell into that of mistaking Mal's kindness for something else you know what I mean Deja what do you think of Alicia as a good friend I think overall the friends who came on the show great job like one after another was showing up with very legitimate advice, concerns, questions, call-outs. Um, really, that's all I left with it was, you guys are actually paying attention. They picked good friends to come and consult them on this. I will say, I think we get one of the best, greatest performances from a friend on reality television. And that is Natasha. Holy Natasha? A real one, a real, the realest of real ones who cares about Tiff and their friendship with Tiff, but also not afraid to give them real advice, you know? And then Natasha says, maybe this show is a cop-out because if your relationship isn't working, just end it. And Natasha knows Tiff well enough to know that Tiff and Mildred, this won't be the last time they break up. (laughs) They're going to get back together and then break up and then get back together and break up. And Natasha also pulls out this juicy information that Sam and Tiff haven't hooked up. 
They haven't touched each other. They sleep in the same bed, but they have not touched each other at all. And Natasha just begs them just to hold hands. Maybe like, maybe a smooch. And then Sam says, yeah, I'm down for a smooch. And Tiff is like, no, no smooching whatsoever. And Natasha, round of applause. What a great friend. Uh, And a character. Team Natasha hosts the next reunion. But what did you think of Natasha? Natasha was a straight shooter from the beginning, had some very clear expectations, and I don't blame them. If you know that your friend's existing relationship clearly isn't going to work, why not encourage them to try something else out? Uh, Most recently, I saw Natasha got on TikTok to thank the many, many fans (laughs) that they garnered from that one appearance. So uh, good for Natasha. Thanks for coming and being honest. Natasha, if you want to be on a podcast, please let us know. We're happy to have you because I want to know the juicy details. I want to know. Like, wonderful performance. But the episode continues and it ends with a lot of things happening. Lexi saying I love you to Mal, calling Mal her soulmate. Vanessa says to her, um, to Ray, no matter what, this experience will be life-changing. Sam and Tiff actually get along. They share a laugh. And Xander gives Yoli a ring pop. The most important ring pop ever on television. Uh, And they make out on the beach. And that's where episode five ends. And at that point, I knew Vanessa is screwed. Xander and Yoli are walking out of this thing together no matter what. You know, what do you think, Deja? One way or another, Xander and Yoli, I think at the very least, it is clear that they should not be with their original partners. Even if what they have with each other isn't a genuine love, isn't a lasting connection, it's also very obvious that they had too many unmet needs for too long. Because nobody should be able to swoop in in three weeks and knock you off your seat that you've been in for three years if you were doing a good job. It just wasn't going to happen. That's my opinion. And it's a correct opinion because I'm always and generally right about this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's move on to episode six, finally. And that is when everyone gets back to their original partner. Everyone sits down at the original table that they started at and they get to go over their time with the trial partner. And a couple of things that I'm going to point out is that Mildred correctly says that Mildred was robbed of an experience because Aussie left. There was no like making it better or trying something new because Aussie checked out of the experience. You know, Tiff defends Mildred and says, yeah, why did you leave Mildred? Why didn't you want to communicate? And it's Aussie, as Aussie does, denies, deflects. That's not true. It was more like this, that, and the other. But we all saw it with our own two eyes, Aussie. What is going on? Vanessa and Ray, they were fine. They didn't like have too many like revelations about each other but everyone is so quietly mad at Vanessa every time Vanessa speaks everyone's like side-eyeing her constantly Vanessa says Xander agreed to no physical intimacy Xander is 
also agreed to no physical in- intimacy. They both agreed to it. They both broke it. And Ray correctly says that Ray is on her own journey. It, and reiterates again, it was consensual. Vanessa reads an apology to the group. Nobody accepts it. And Yoli calls Vanessa's apology performative. Again, is Vanessa that bad, Deja? Is she that bad? The vibes are rancid coming off of Vanessa. And ultimately, 100% of reality TV, this could be complete and utter nonsense. This could have nothing to do with her actual character in real life, but the ways that she's showing up in these conversations, the things she's choosing to say and do, how she's acting, it doesn't come off as genuine to me. The whole written apology thing, it did feel quite performative. Um, But do I think they needed to say it was performative at the table? Sometimes it's okay to put your opinion into another conversation and not at the table, which was my biggest gripe with episode six was they all wanted to address things at the table that often had only to do with two or maybe three people. And that just created more drama, more pressure, more on the spot answer this question, none of which we needed. But hey, it's reality TV, so they gave us a little drama. Okay, I don't want to come off as too Team Vanessa, because I do acknowledge Vanessa has problems that she needs to work on. I'm also confused about what else people want from Vanessa. As in, like, she apologized. Which is, like, okay. Writ wrote it, like, wrote it out. Like, did you want Vanessa crying? Do you want Vanessa on her knees, like, begging for forgiveness? Like, she apologized. I think it's time to move on. You know, and no one is letting Vanessa off the hook. And I think... Go ahead. I think part of it is also that for these people, it's like the second time they've interacted with Vanessa since things happened before the trial marriages. To them, this is so fresh. But also to Vanessa, it has been multiple weeks. (laughs) And it's okay to just let Mm. it die down a little bit. Just let it go. Just let it go. Specifically, Lexi, let it go. Just, because uh, a lot of other people slept with other people. But at the end of this kind of like pairing off, whatever, everyone goes back to their original partners. Xander and Vanessa have a debrief. And Xander doesn't know what to do with Vanessa's change of heart. Now that Vanessa actually wants a relationship and a future and a marriage with Xander. Vanessa wants to know the details of what Xander did with Yoli and Xander is tight-lipped. Xander's not kiss and tell. And Xander says they don't know if they love Yoli when previously they said that they loved Yoli and previously in this episode, but that's beside the point. And I'm I'm happy that Vanessa didn't go into the dirty details of what actually happened because that's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, CCR conversation about the fantasy suites of The Bachelor, like in the previous season, about like whatever happens in the fantasy suite, you don't need to tell anyone because number one, all of America is going to hear it. And number two, other contestants that you may want to be with 
might want to hear it that is between you and the person in the fantasy suite. And I think it's the same for this reality show too. And we all go into, or the episode goes into Yoli and Mal, their debrief. Yoli tells what happened with Xander. They slept together. And Mal is cool with it to a degree saying, Hey, Yoli, it's ride or die. I am choosing you. No matter what happens, I'm choosing you. No matter if you walk away, I'm choosing you every single day. And Mal does not care if Yoli was intimate because Mal is Yoli's person, according to Mal. Deja, what did you think of these two intertwined couples? Because it seems like it's the like fight for Yoli in a weird way. You know what I mean? I think in a similar way that you have just a, a level of like extra care for Mal because of relating to certain elements. I have a slightly extra level of care for Xander. If the person I was with five seconds ago, who I whose heart I'm going to break in a couple weeks, says, okay, do you love this other person? I don't know if I'm going to have the balls right there to be like, yeah, I love them, not you. And a lot of times Xander is really bold with what they're saying. Um, there was a moment where uh, they were talking to Vanessa's father and the dad's, you know, oh, so you had an easy time connecting. And Xander's like, yes, I had, a, I had an easy time connecting and conversation flowed really easily. And Vanessa corrects and says, with Yoli. And it was clearly hurtful to Vanessa to hear that, to hear all this easier talking about is with Yoli, not with me. Xander didn't pick up it on, on it at all. They took the correction like it was just a gift and said, yes, thank you, sorry, with Yoli, and moved on. So I feel like what's really happening to some degree is, would you be able to genuinely tell them to their face, I love someone else now, when you are asked that question on the spot? And I think most people could not. I did. <laughs> That's a discussion for Ooh. another podcast. <laughs> We're not as strong as you, Justin. <laughs> uh, I will say, back on my days on the streets, that I was in a very similar situation to Mal. And that's probably where a lot of my deep-seated love for Mal goes. Because I've been that person who held something so tightly that they end up squeezing the person out of it. And I have been the person to ride or die choose someone who doesn't fully invest in the relationship. And what solved that was, for me personally, was shit or get off the pot. <laughs> And making a decision and sticking with it, you know? And I hope, I hope Mal knows that, like I said before, the quickest way to cause a breakup is to hold too tightly to something, you know? And I recognize that Mal is changing very quickly to fit the needs of Yo what Yoli wants. And when you're, I don't know, when you're holding something so tightly, instead of holding someone's hand, it becomes a fist. And you're just weighing them down. And I think that's the same situation that's happening with Yoli. That's a lot of metaphors. That was and another bar. 
<laughs> that was another bar, though. Um, I definitely do feel that. Uh, I like we can't pretend that just because I'm team Zoli, ooh, Yoli and Xander, Zoli, that I can't acknowledge <laughs> that this definitely has to hurt Mal. Um, but at the same time, I think when we see Xander and Mal get back together, it felt like Mal wasn't ready to own up to all the time before they changed. Yeah, you, you're you changing now in the past three weeks, but it was three years where Yoli was really hurt by lack, by having to use one-ply toilet paper because you never pick up the toilet paper. They got to use the emergency roll. Having to constantly be in charge of all of the domestic tasks, feeling unsupported. Um, you can't really erase that in three weeks and like you said Xander does have kind of an advantage because they don't have that baggage and also because Yoli was going into their experience with Xander with what they learned from time with Mal um so I think that's a huge element of it but I will not forget when Mal was pressing Xander to come up with judgments about Yoli what do you mean you've been living together you don't have anything bad to say about Yoli I cannot get past that. And when I hear Yoli say, I want to be supportive, and I think about supported, when I hear Yoli say, I want to be supported, and I think about what Mal said, I feel like we are seeing evidence of a lack of support. And if we are able to see that, there's no doubt that Yoli has seen far more evidence and still wanted to marry Mal. So if it took this experience for, you know, it to be kind of the the thing that made the levy break, I can't blame Yoli for that. Mm, dang, bars. Oh, this is such a good episode, man. You guys are going to love it when you hear this episode. So many good points. Uh, man, we have to, we have to keep going because this episode's so long. We go to Lexi and Ray's debrief. Lexi is pissed about whatever Ray did with Vanessa. And Ray has this strain that um, she keeps saying that she doesn't feel heard in this relationship with Lexi. Um, but Lexi says a very venomous bar to Ray. It's like, you gave me the commit, or you didn't give me commitment, but you gave me a key. And that's, oh, I think that's a very tight bar in this relationship in that. Ray, Ray in this scenario is, I would say, um, drawn to people who know themselves very well. And I think Vanessa and Lexi know themselves so well that Ray naturally gravitates to not having to make a decision, you know, because these persons are so like themselves or opinionated or whatever, you know. And I feel as though Ray views marriage or a long-term commitment with someone with losing themselves because marriage is a union. It is like a, it is emerging a families, yada, yada, a business transaction, according to Vanessa's dad, but it's a merging in a way that like Ray is thinking of this as a small death in a way that Lexi doesn't see it that way. I think that's what's really knocking their heads together. You know what I mean, Deja? 
Yeah, and I think, again, for Vanessa and Ray to recognize together and jointly that they have not been offering a lot in their relationships is really important. I don't think that means Ray's next step is to get married. I think that means Ray's next step is to evaluate that. What do I want out of a relationship and what am I willing to give? If somebody needs X, Y, and Z, can I fulfill that? Marriage is not the is not the answer. And I don't necessarily think continuing a relationship with Lexi is either. The answer is take what you learned, work on it, go forward, see what happens. And because of the format of these shows, that's not an option. Nobody can just say, I've gotten a lot so far. See you guys later. Or probably none of them would be in this anymore. I think you're right. I think you're right. Everyone go to therapy. Team, everyone go to therapy. So, the next part, we talked about it previously, and this is where Xander is caught messaging Yoli, sending some selfies that we don't know the degree of, but that's at a point. And, <laughs> and I want to go, because the next part is Aussie and Sam. We talked a lot of the, about them previously, but Aussie says to Sam that they may be ready for an engagement after this whole experience. And then Sam asks one question about Mildred. And Ozzy completely shuts down. They were, this is like at dinner. Immediately starts eating their dinner so they can't talk. And literally runs into a closet. So they don't have to interact with Sam. (laughs) that is a metaphor a very strong metaphor but Aussie what happened here and I think Mildred also deserves some justice in this batch of episodes because everyone's acting like Mildred's also a wicked witch of the east like oh Mildred's so awful so mean so opinionated really is Mildred that way or is there some stereotype going on and for Aussie to be that afraid of a conversation, one question about how your experience with the other person went, to go running back into a closet, that's a problem. It's a it's a huge problem for me. Did you recognize this too, Deja? Aussie is acting that way because of things that I don't know about. That much is clear. I cannot know about it. And I don't need to. I just hope Aussie looks into these things. I, 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 after what happens in the next episode, I don't know if Aussie will. I really don't know. But this episode ends with Ray meeting Lexi's family. I think not for the first time, but, and Ray is just getting hit from all sides. You know, Lexi is going in. Lexi's mom is going in. And Lexi's dad is just sternly looking like he agrees but Lexi is done being unsure and Lexi says a question that's really poignant do you regret the choices you made because you made them or because it upset me this goes to my point did Ray cheat did Ray actually do anything that wrong or that horrible Mm, this seems unfair especially because we don't see Ray's family at all you know like and Ray was just getting beat up from all sides. But the episode ends 
with Vanessa and Xander on a hot air balloon. Vanessa asks Xander, please stop messaging other people while we're trying to do our trial marriage. Vanessa writes another letter to Xander asking for another chance. And it feels like Xander's going through the motions. And Xander ends the episode saying, I appreciate that. After Vanessa pours her heart out. And I, this relationship is doomed. It's so doomed. It is, it has, it's a ticking time bomb waiting to go off because there is no way Xander's going to pick Vanessa in any situation after this. And when it comes to Ray and Lexi, I don't think they're going to end up together either. What did you think, Deja? Absolutely. Those two couples have as much of a chance of continuing on as I have of like becoming an astronaut at this point. There's no way they can continue. And I think in Xander's case specifically, regardless of what details we're missing, they realize they can do better. They can be treated better. They can be regarded better. They should not be sitting there and saying, that these, this three-week relationship was the first time that somebody really cared about my needs. Now that they know that's a possibility and what that feels like, it's over for you, Vanessa. Because they are high school sweethearts. They have been together for so long now. That grip on Xander's perception of relationships is gone. It's over. Sorry, Vanessa. You'll you'll be fine, Vanessa. You'll be fine. But episode seven starts off. Mal is making breakfast for Yo Lee. Mal says they don't make breakfast for roommates. I get that. And Mal is ready to take the notes they were given and win Yo Lee back. Ozzy is also eating breakfast with Sam. And Ozzy wants to be, in their words, or in Ozzy's words, a house husband. And also is thinking about changing their gender. Another point off from netflix for not including everyone's pronouns but whatever <laughs> but i i, I want to question this because this is another instance is does ozzy actually want this or does ozzy just want to avoid conflict and if ozzy's home being in their words a house husband is that another way to avoid conflict with like the world if that makes any sense. What did you think, Deja? That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that element of it, but when you do think about the house husband as a concept, but the version specifically that Aussie says, where Aussie says, for me to feel masculine, which I do inside, I need to be the breadwinner. And the image of the house husband in that sense, who's a breadwinner to me, is somebody who shows up eats food, chills on the couch, goes to bed, and can expect the same thing the next day. It wasn't in the same way as saying a housewife. It was very clearly just, I'm like, here. (laughs) And I want to contribute financially, but does that mean you will contribute emotionally? Does that mean you can show up? And I don't think Aussie's necessarily answered those questions internally. No, not at all. I don't think Ozzy doesn't want to answer any questions. I think Ozzy just wants to avoid conflict at all costs. And this goes into a big revelation that happens right after this between Ozzy, Sam, 
and Aussie's brother. Where Aussie, his brother, who has the coolest hair, looking like Fabio. <laughs> Shout out, Ron. Says, yeah, points out that Aussie is not out. Aussie is still in the closet when it comes to their parents. Aussie still gets dead named. And more importantly, I did notice that Aussie's brother still uses she, her pronouns. And like, Aussie's brother's like, they never encouraged them to think for themselves. They did this. It's between Aussie not being out, Aussie still getting dead named, and growing up in a household where Aussie never had to be an independent thinker. Recipe for disaster to number one, being on this show, and number two, being a good partner to Sam. And Aussie's brother is probably the most important episode in this batch of episodes because we know now we know so much more about why Aussie acts the way Aussie does. You know what I mean, Deja? For sure. And I think that gender around family can be really strange. Like, I don't identify as a woman, but do my parents still call me daughter? Do my siblings still call me sister? Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people, family is the first place where they kind of learn to compromise identity for someone else's ease. So there is a lot to me with Aussie being somebody whose gender presentation is so specific that Aussie does have an opportunity to talk about this to show what that kind of looks like in those family dynamics because I don't think that what Aussie's experiencing is unique and that's not to say that it's not an important and valuable and impactful experience but a common one that is very rarely seen on screen so the fact that those conversations happened at all I thought was pretty surprising super surprising and speaking of surprising the episode then goes into this giant group date out where everyone comes with their original partners. And there's some kind of mad tension in the air. Some Somebody's upset about something. And as soon as everyone gets there, Vanessa pulls Mal aside and says, Hey, this is what happened between Yoli and Xander. Yo, Mal then pours, pulls all four of them aside. And Mal says that they think um, Vanessa's just starting drama again. Wants to get to the heart of the issue. And during this conversation, Mal discovers Yoli was asking for selfies. Something that Yoli conveniently left out. And... This is another instance where if everyone didn't think Vanessa is a supervillain, Vanessa was be. I think Vanessa did Mal a favor in this right here. And if Mal just picked up on the like clue of like, hey, Xander and Yoli are really into each other more so than we thought, I think Mal would have saw a lot of things coming, if you know what I mean. What'd you think, Deja? I think this was the scene where I rooted for Mal more than any other one. Because I felt like this was the scene where Mal showed themselves as an effective communicator the most. 
they pulled everyone into the conversation. Let's get this out on the table. They asked the questions they needed to ask. When they heard about the pictures, which they did not know that detail, they sure did turn to Yoli and say, I didn't hear about that. But they also listened to the answer and accepted it. I feel like the way Mal handled this was really smart. And it also, I don't think, put too much blame on Vanessa. Whereas I think people's reaction to it is. And I do wonder about Vanessa's motivations for it. But she also didn't know that Yoli had spoken to Mal about this. She assumed it was as much a secret as it was to her. And I think just having a conversation, putting it all out in the air and moving on was the most effective and simple thing we've seen this season. And it came from Mal. So as my fellow Jamaican, I'm rooting for you a little bit. Just a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Come on. This is is a masterclass on how to not get fucked over in a reality show. Pull everyone aside. Say what what needs to be said and move the fuck on. Don't dwell on it. Don't don't bring it up later. That what said was all the information was evenly exchanged. So props to Mal. And right after this, right after this, the problem is that Xander and Yoli started holding hands in front of everyone. Where did Mal go in this whole time? Xander is calling Yoli beautiful. In public, like in, in front of the axes, I don't know where Vanessa went. I don't know where Mal went, but they—they're saying they are saying they love each other. They it, 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 bold, a bold move, bold moves on both sides. I don't know how. Where was everyone else in this room? Is this allowed, Deja? Is it? I lose all objectivity during those scenes because that was tea. I was I was enjoying the tea and the drama and the mess. As always, I'm here to enjoy and consume mess. But I also could not stop thinking about one moment in particular where Yoli and Xander are talking and Yoli's kind of like, are we in eyesight of anyone? And they're like adjusting so that they won't be in the line of sight of anyone. Oh my god, that was like scandal when Olivia and Fitz would avoid the candles in the Oval Office. That, excuse me, that was like scandal when Olivia and Fitz would enjoy the, would avoid the cameras in the Oval Office. (laughs) That was the same level of drama to me. Shonda couldn't have written anything better. But was it right? Like, I don't know, but I liked it. I was there for it. Deja, so. Deja, Deja. I never Deja. said I wasn't problematic. I just said that I'm cute. <laughs> it's it. It was such a bold move. It, the the maybe it, it's it's probably the Netflix editing. It's probably like it was so zoomed in on them. Like where was everyone else? It what it didn't look like they were that hidden away, and if if. If there was a smooch happening, I I guarantee it could have happened. A smooch could have happened right there. It was the 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 sexual tension was so palpable. 
I, ooh, I couldn't believe it. I could. I don't know how they got away with it, and they almost didn't because right after this, everyone has their little debrief with their little partners back at their um, apartments. Lexi and Ray debrief, and Lexi feels Ray didn't choose her during the whole night when Ray actively avoided avoided Vanessa the whole night. The whole night. I don't know where Lexi is getting this from. Probably Netflix editing, but Lexi calls Vanessa calculating. And it's just trying to poke holes in other people's relationship. And what? What? See, another point of Vanessa is not a supervillain. Because was was Vanessa trying to poke holes in other people's relationship? Or was she just looking out for herself? What's, it can't, what's going on? I feel like everyone's overreacting a bit. You know what I mean, Deja? I 100% feel that to some degree. Still not a big fan of Vanessa, but I do feel like there's a degree of over-exaggeration. And I also think Lexi was wanting Ray to act how Lexi would act. And I feel like that is a complete ignorance of Ray's autonomy which we've seen in other dynamics with Lexi but Lexi didn't say hey I don't want you to speak to her at all that wasn't communicated because even in their argument it was like well you didn't tell me that um that's also when I started to realize we are watching love is blind season one again because Amber and Barnett in love is blind season one were very much a Lexi and Ray someone else got involved I saw that you kind of wanted them, but I want you. And the difference was there that Amber said, do not speak to that woman, period. And Barnett would speak to the wall before he spoke to her. Similarly, I think we have a chance for Yoli and Xander to be the Lauren and Cameron from Love is Blind season one. The couple that runs away with it, that just takes it all and and they're winning and they're going to be a Disney's next live action red carpet, just like them. They have the charisma. They have the tension. They could be the couple that makes this show almost seem realistic. Uh, I don't know. It's maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just too suspicious of Xander. It's, I, I can't imagine a scenario where let me rephrase that I just it's hard for me to stomach what Xander's Xander's moves in the same building as your current partner it was sneaky to a degree not sneaky but like Blatant to a degree that I didn't, I didn't expect it coming from Xander, you know. And if Xander and Yoli are truly like, like uh, Romeo and Juliet, star-crossed lovers, that is great for them. But like the the disrespect to Mal and the disrespect to Vanessa too in the same building. At the the very you know there's a you know a lot of people black people say this don't go out there and embarrass me like that 
You know what I mean? Like, at the very least, cover it up so you don't embarrass me. Like, oh, man. It's just... It just it was too much. It was too much. Because at the end of the episode, it ends with Vanessa saying I love you and Xander not even saying it back. Could be Netflix editing. But that's where the episode ends. And that's where we're going to get into episode 8. And it starts off with Tiff and Mildred. We've kind of neglected them, but the show has also neglected them in a weird way. This is the part where we learn about Mildred's son being special needs. and But Tiff seems ready to make that lifelong commitment. Could be lifelong commitment to take care of Mildred's son. And um, that's not marriage, but like that's a lifelong commitment to take care of someone with special needs. So you gotta really love Mildred. You gotta really love that family unit to commit to something as big as that. You know what I mean, Deja? Or... Uh, it surprises me because in the previous episode, Tiff and Mildred were bickering constantly. Maybe, and they were like taking marriage off the table and putting it on. I'm surprised that came out of Tiff's mouth, if you know what I mean. What did you think, Deja? Tiff, for me, feels very argumentative and defensive. I think from the edits we've seen, oftentimes they enter into conversations with a predetermined answer in their head. And they're waiting for that answer. And if it's not given, they kind of press and press and press, but they don't yet acknowledge the answer they were given. And I think that we kind of see that happen where Tiff and Mildred are talking about Mildred's first marriage. And no matter how much Mildred tries to communicate, I don't like being held to the standard of love I once had. I don't like being held to the standard of who I once was years and years and years ago. Tiff will not let that go. And even says, I hear you and I understand you. And then continues to go back to the past. So it doesn't feel like they're able to communicate effectively. And in this batch of episodes, they even say, we don't respect each other enough. We don't respect each other's voices enough. Great reason to break up, guys. Not a good start to a marriage. Maybe just break up. You, you, are you team break up, Tim, Tiff and Mildred? I don't think that they are as egregiously in need of breaking up as some of these other couples. But I think that if Mildred mm. wants marriage, being with Tiff is not the way to that. It seems like they have a lot of passion. Mm in their relationship. I don't think there's a lack of love, but it just might be a lack of compatibility for the type of partnership that Mildred is asking for. Cause I don't think either of them is like this big villain. They just don't communicate well together. I, I, I do want to skip ahead to talk about this conversation between Tiff and Mildred where they're by the fire and Mil Mildred um, is talking over Tiff and Tiff is like can you please stop doing that and Mildred's like that's just the way I talk it's because I'm a Latina and Tiff says being Latina is not an excuse for being rude and I I think we talk a lot about this between the clash between culture and romance. I, I'm not, 
I'm not ready to call Tiff a horrible person at all. But this was very clear. I wouldn't even say it's a microaggression. It's a macroaggression, you know? Like, a very, like... But at the same time, like, part of me is like, I would be upset if people kept interrupting me, too. But that comment was a little too wild for me. A little too wild for me. Did you catch this, Daisha? To me, it was one of those moments where two things can be true at the same time. It is true that Mildred was speaking over Tiff. And that clearly bothers Tiff a lot. It is also true. Tiff, you found them by looking up lesbian Latinas on Instagram. And there are plenty (laughs) of cultures and communities where speaking over each other doesn't necessarily mean an escalation. It means you're passionate. So I think you got what you were looking for, Tiff. I don't... I have had the pleasure of knowing and caring about many Latinas in my life. And... Speaking over you doesn't always mean that it's a disrespect thing. So you can talk about that and try and change that in your relationship. But you looked at hashtag lesbian Latinas. Yep. I don't like being spoken over either, but I'm not looking for it. I totally forgot that's how they met. Tiff, uh... (laughs) you were so right. Tiff, Tiff, another person that has a lot of explaining to do. Tiff, if you're listening, we would love to have you because I, I have some questions. I do have some questions. But moving on, Sam and Aussie have a uh, group date with one of uh, Sam's friends. And Sam makes the small comment that Sam doesn't appreciate Aussie's bad energy. Aussie denies it. And Aussie says that Sam is overcompensating. And but Sam has needs that aren't being fulfilled by Aussie. And Aussie calls Sam's feelings bullshit. And Aussie runs out of the restaurant again. And then Aussie's sitting on the curb and has a lot of big talk about how Sam is bullshit. What about my needs? You know, what about this, that, and the other? A lot of big words when Sam isn't around, but that's about the point. And then Aussie keeps saying the phrase, over and over again. I didn't do it. I didn't fucking do it. I didn't do it. That's, that's, I, I don't know if that's what they were talking about in the exact moment due to Netflix editing, but another, another piece in the puzzle of Aussie and another piece in the please Aussie get help. <laughs> and then Aussie gets in the car without telling Sam goodbye and leaves. And this was excessive. This is unbelievably excessive. I'm trying to give Aussie the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying so hard. Aussie's making it real difficult. What did you think, Deja? I, wow, Aussie, please get some help. I do have to say another one where it's a shout out to the friends in this episode because It is hard enough to call your friend out when they are doing something wrong. It is another thing to call a friend out who you know reacts negatively to confrontation. But for Shermaine to respect Sam enough to not facilitate that disrespect 
is to me a sign of a good friend. I'm happy Aussie has people around who will call that out. But Aussie, you also have to respond to it. You can't trust other people to do damage control on your overblown reactions to another person's emotions. But I just feel sad for Sam more than anything. (laughs) Sam, Sam, if anyone needs to break up with their partner, it's you, Sam. Aussie may not be a terrible person, but Aussie's not in the state to have a good relationship right now. And it's because later on, Aussie comes back to the apartment and calls Sam's questions about what happened, how they were feeling dumb, disregards all of Sam's feelings, and Aussie is, Aussie does this thing where um, Aussie calls people mate and, and then leaves, and then Aussie is like, okay, mate, like very, very condescendingly, and then packs up and leaves the apartment again. I, I don't. All right, just just go at this point and stay gone. I, if you're gonna keep leaving, if if you're gonna keep leaving, at least stay gone. You know what I mean, Deja? It's. I don't know, Sam. If you want to explain your side of the story, we will happily hear it on this podcast if you're listening please we would love to hear it um going on into this episode xander and vanessa meet vanessa's dad again xander says that they have learned a lot from yoli (laughs) and vanessa's dad lays some good wisdom sometimes you just want to feel like you won not that you actually love this person and i think he's spot on Especially when it comes to Vanessa and Xander. Because Vanessa wants to win Xander back. And I think Mal can take some notes from this conversation too. Because I think Mal also wants to win Yoli back. And the competition of it all may feel like love. But it's hard, but it's hard to decipher between the two. You like I, I completely agree with Vanessa's dad. Did you agree with Vanessa's dad? Yeah, I don't think Vanessa's newfound desire to marry Xander is fake or manufactured. I just think it's misguided. And Vanessa's dad was picking up on that very quickly. That idea of, do you want to get married or do you know it will make Xander happy? Because making Xander happy is not enough of a motivation. And though Vanessa admits that's part of it, I I think she's got these just like you know mirrored goggles on and can't see how much of a part of it is Vanessa I think that's most of it I think you're right and we gotta talk about the other half of this relationship Yoli and Mal because I think I'm gonna have a lot to say about this because Mal and Yoli meet Alicia Mal's friend and they get into an argument because Yoli is unsure of the type of mother Mal will be. Mal retorts by saying multiple people have asked Mal to be a godparent to their children. And Yoli brings up the point about expenses. And Yoli is really worried about Mal's expenses when it comes to IVF, in vitro fertilization. And Yoli pulls an Aussie and leaves. And Alicia, Mal's friend, sits there 
Mal says, if I were to continue an engagement, would you approve of it? And Alice doesn't answer. Gives a long, long pause. And this seemed a little below the belt for me. When you're when you're calling someone like I don't think you would be a good parent, mother or father. It's one of it's I don't know. It's it seems a little too harsh. Then again, we don't know Mal and Yoli's history at all. We don't. But it just seems like a comment that's hard to come back from that. You know? It Team Yoli, but still, oof. And if Yoli actually has those concerns, I get it, you know, because if you're bringing a child into this world, it is extremely important you do so with the right person. Um, but this was a little too much for me. I'll say that. What do you think, Deja? I could definitely see this being extra tough for Mal because coming into this, Mal wanted to financially prepare for everything down to the kids you know, college. But if Yoli is saying that Mal hasn't started saving for IVF, then that just kind of further fuels this idea of, well, you're saying you need to save for everything before we can get married, but then why won't you start saving? And also it shows how much Yoli and Xander have had deep conversations that Yoli has seen the bank account with this money uh, but I felt like the whole meeting was strange because it felt a little bit like Yoli should not have even been talking about falling in love with someone else. I don't know why that had to be a conversation with a friend there, with Mal's friend who's obviously not going to take your side. It didn't seem like the entire conversation should have happened in the first place. And it felt as though Mal knew Alicia was going to kind of push on it and wanted that result because Mal was sitting there eating tacos while most of the conversation was happening. Just really taking their time with each bite. <laughs> so it, it felt like the whole thing was a little highly produced, a little extra Netflixy. Um But I also wonder for Mal, like you said, that's a hard statement to come back from. And I have trouble understanding why Mal still wants to be with somebody who doubts their ability as a parent. Final note, Mal, cool that you're a godparent, but those people are saying you could take care of their kid if they're dead. They aren't saying they want to co-parent with you. Like, Yoli's looking for a partnership, not a daycare. They want yeah, to co-parent, uh, yeah. to actively be involved in that, and I don't think multiple people want me to be a godparent. That's not the same thing. And if that's your biggest retort to, I have questions Ooh. about how you'll parent, you have an issue. In a hypothetical scenario where your friend tragically dies, not the same thing as intentionally having a child. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm on Team Mal too much this episode. Maybe I am. It's a crime. Is it a crime? It's... I think that entire scene probably hurt Mal a lot, and that's really upsetting. It's I I, I get where Mal is coming from. You say like, okay, um, that's not a that's not an offer to co-parent, but like, 
there's I think there's two definitions of godparent. One one godparent being like, hey, I want you to be in this child's life. You know, maybe take him to lunch every now and then, send him a Christmas and a birthday gift. And then there's the actual, like, if I die, take care of my child. In one way, people are coming to Mal saying, if I tragically die, I you are the, one of the people that I trust most in this world to bring up this small human to be a good human. I think that's worth something. But... Is it the other type of godparent where it's like, hey, send my kid a gift on their birthday um, and Christmas? You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, yeah, I, think I don't the think it's worth, worth nothing. Something, you know, I think it's worth something. But when you're talking about this idea of parenting together, it doesn't sound like Yoli feels like she would have somebody in it the same amount as them. She's worried about the kids using one-ply toilet paper. She's worried about sharing the responsibility. That was specific. Like, you know for a fact Yoli has reached for the toilet paper and been deeply disappointed on more than one occasion. (laughs) It's such a specific mention, but it's about the partnership in this case. It's so specific. (laughs) Like, Yoli had that... In her back pocket forever. He's been holding that forever. Like, oh my gosh. Like, but I think it's gonna, you know what? And even through all that, even through all that, at the end of the episode, when it's time to choose to marry or move on, Mal gets down on one knee and proposes to Yoli. And. Mal, number one, I, I do want to throw out a comment. If you're, Mal was ready to propose, Mal had uh, sweatpants on or a draw, something drawstring. Bro, Thank on, you. I, <laughs> I almost you. lost my mind. No elastic waistbands when you're proposing. Absolutely not allowed. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm too much team Mal. Because I, I was trying to give Mal the benefit of the doubt. I was like, come on, man. Put a belt on. Come on. Come on. Put a belt. Come on. Like, maybe some maybe some dress shoes. Maybe. But whatever. <laughs> and okay. I wanna make a bet. How will Yoli say yes to Mal's proposal? Well, what are the odds on this one, Deja? I think it's a no. Ooh. I I can't even bring myself to believe that Yoli would say yes to Mal at this point, even if Yoli does not propose to Xander or get proposed to by Xander. Even if they don't end up engaged by the end of this, I don't think they'll end up with Mal. I can't imagine trying to confront the fact that for three years a need wasn't met and then in three weeks it was. I don't know how you go into a marriage with the doubt that much so into your mind. So there's a there's a there's a golden rule in The Bachelor that the first car that pulls up to the finale is always the loser. The first car and like they always want to like uh propose at sunset 
where like the sun is beautiful and stuff like that. So contestants always say, if you're if if the if the producers call you up at like two p.m., it's not you, buddy. It's not you. <laughs> it's not you. And if you're the first car there, it's not you. So that being said, Mal first car. So I think the answer, my guess, is a no. And as far as predictions for next episode, Deja, who are the couples that you think will get proposed to and stay together in the final episode of The Ultimatum Queer Love? Absolutely. Lexi and Ray, broken up. Go home. Pack your bags. I do not (laughs) think either of them will be intending to be with their trial marriage partners. Sam and Aussie, I really hope it ends in a breakup because I really think it's best for both Sam and Aussie. I wish you all well, but not together. Tiff and Mildred, I think are the biggest wild card, but I'm going to say they'll end up engaged. Just because I think they're a little silly and... It's camp, so go ahead, do that. Um, I think the person who will react the best to the rejection will be Mal. I will give Mal that. When they have gotten upset, when they've gotten angry, they have still tried to be understanding and level with their reaction. And I think even in the end of this episode, when Yoli came a little bit standoffish, Mal was calm about it. So I think that Mal will probably react the best angry but understanding. Um, and I think that whatever happens either way, Aussie will probably not react very well. No matter what happens. It could go great and Aussie probably won't react very well. Yes, um, Aussie's leaving. If it's a no, Aussie's leaving. <laughs> it's I Aussie I, will be packing a bag. <laughs> no matter what happens, Aussie's packed their bags. <laughs> Okay, I think I think Tiff and Mildred definitely going to get engaged. Whether or not they're still together, I don't know. Definitely, Tiff is getting down on one knee. Definitely proposing. Um, Lexi and Ray, goners. Not going to happen. Um, I agree. Xander and Vanessa, I think it will be it will be brutal. But Xander has second car on Yoli. Xander will be the second car. Mal's going to be brokenhearted. Vanessa's going to be brokenhearted. And Ozzy and Sam, I think... I think think Sam will be brokenhearted. I'm going to put my money that Ozzy and Sam will propose, but they're going to break up two seconds later, right after it happens. Like, I can see a scenario where Sam is like, so, um, were you thinking about wearing, like, this suit or that suit to the wedding? And Ozzy's like, don't let me choose, I'm out! <laughs> and poof. Gone. Or something like that. I just don't have a lot of faith, but I do think that they will leave the show together. Um, and that's it. It'll... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. It'll be great as well because this season was filmed in early 2021, but the reunion episode, which we're also getting in this final drop, was filmed in January 2023, just a couple months ago. So 
I really? think there's a really good chance we'll see couples. Yeah, we'll see couples who left together at the end of the final episode who are no longer together in the reunion. So figuring out how those two whole years shook out should be really fun. I'm really excited about that as well. All right. And that is where we're going to end this super long episode of Decoding Reality. I am so sorry, David. (laughs) That's going to bring us to the end. As a reminder, you can find more episodes of this podcast at decodingreality.tv. And please email us at decodingtv at gmail.com and find us on TikTok at tiktok.com slash at decodingreality. Deja, where can people send their ultimatums to? People can send their ultimatums uh, on all platforms at Deja Talks TV. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And, you know, just make sure to say messy, all tea, all shade. How about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me wherever toys are sold. And Twitter, TikTok, and on Instagram, at Freddy's Roommate. And we will see you next week for the final episode of The Ultimatum Queer Love right here on Decoding Reality. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.